People seem to forget, if you change today, today will change your life. Are you feeling uncertain at the moment? A lot of people have been writing into the podcast saying they feel uncertain in their relationships and their health, their wealth because of the pandemic, because of so many different things going on. So we decided to create an online portal with exclusive video and audio content called Certainty. Certainty is designed to give you that sense of control back in your life, teach you how to build certainty back in your life, in your confidence, your sense of happiness, in your relationships, in your finances, in the areas that matter most. Through meditations, through coaching, you'll be able to find access to this online portal on the selfbeliefchief.com forward slash podcast page. Below the podcast episode, you'll be able to access it. Alternatively, you can just go to selfbeliefchief.com forward slash certainty home to learn more and anywhere you listen to the podcast in the description you'll also be able to find a link to it as well and the certainty online portal is just at the cost of a starbucks coffee and muffin at just five pounds a month five pounds a month with hours and hours of video and audio content which we're continually adding to and you can cancel at any time so if you want to go back in a month's time to that starbucks coffee and muffin then you're welcome to but otherwise We've put a lot of thought into this. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. And feel free to join the Certainty members. So I just want to say hi and thanks for having me on your show to start with. You're very welcome. Um, it's a strange one, isn't it? I think it's something that none of us would have ever, ever thought we were ever going to be so restricted and, and have things be so different. Um, I think for me personally, it it is coming in little ebbs and flows. I think some days I'm feeling really low about it and almost you know, quite nervous, quite scared when you start to think about different things that are in your life. And then you think, oh gosh, that's going to affect that. And, and then there's that roll on. And then, you know, you think about the young people and, and some of the other people that are being affected, you think, gosh, and then other days or other hours maybe would go by and you're like, right, come on, I've got this, you know, I'm going to focus on this now. And so, I mean, generally because of the, um, who I am and my training, generally I try and be as positive as possible, but I, I think we have to be true to ourselves and say, yeah, it's challenging at times going up and down mm. with the emotions that go with it. Uh, I, on that point, you just made, I, it's a really interesting point where um, I get clients, I, I want to sort of pose this as a question to you really, was I get clients who they see me when we're working together and they think all of, they think that that is a standard. And what I mean by that is they look at you, they look at myself and probably no doubt other uh, mental health experts, coaches, other specialists who obviously present themselves in a certain way, partly because that's their passion, that's their joy, that's their enthusiasm. And you get those clients who say, you know, are you like, is this like you all the time? Are you like this? Like why, how are you able to do that? How are you able to be that way? And like you said, I have to be very truthful and very honest about that, which is, you know, when you're immersed in what you love to do, it gives you energy, it doesn't sap your energy. And, and also when you're focusing on someone else's fear or anxiety, of course, it makes you stop thinking about your own to a certain extent. And like anyone else, you're managing that constantly. Now, you've been very truthful in terms of that, those ebbs and flows, but just out of interest, with the, before we learn a little bit more about um, your business and, and the work that you do is, how do you find that when you're working with people where you're in your element, but the other person perhaps isn't? And there's a sort of that kind of big distinction between them seeing you and you knowing that the rest of the time you might not be that version of yourself all the time. 
I think as a professional, obviously, that someone would come to to see people like us, um, and they would expect us to be at a certain kind of point. So I would always be at that point. I'm certainly never going to burst into tears with somebody or, or yeah. kind of show show any particular vulnerability. But I think how I work very authentically and genuinely, I would never pretend for a moment that I had it all sorted all of the time. Mm-hmm. And what I often say to people is, you know, I've been on a journey myself, uh, where I am now in terms of my confidence and things like that. I wasn't there. So I can un- 100% align myself to the journey that they may be on. And I know how hard that might be. But I think also one of the things that I would usually describe is I will say to people, I'm just the same, really. My response is my response to the response is going to be the same as anyone else's. But what I have got some skills that I can share and, and, and explore with you is what I call the bounce back. So my bounce back is probably a lot quicker than maybe it was many years ago and maybe people who are still on this journey. So I'm at my ability to be able to stop that negative thinking or stop that real high emotion. I can ground it as quickly as possible. I mean, what I call bounce back. That said, sometimes it gets me and I feel, you know, no different to anyone else. Uh, the mind is uh, super powerful and we don't come with a manual. So, you know, you do have to learn how to manage it. And I always say that's what we're doing. We're learning how to manage it constantly. It's a constant, constant thing. But I think it is true and right to show that we are all the same as a therapist and as a coach, because those that don't, almost um, force their clients to see that the place that you're going to reach is almost unreachable because it's it's not a place where we are fantastic all of the time Mm. and I would always echo any message around it's okay to not be okay yeah Uh, and I think that's really you know it's, it's a sort of a slogan isn't it that people say now and I think it's absolutely true we have to be okay with not being okay uh, and those of us that are in the, this industry while we don't need to self-disclose and make the session about ourselves we do need to be able to just show that you know we we get it we, we, we're all in this together absolutely I, I couldn't agree more i've pro- probably said it's okay not to be okay to two clients already today um but uh, so I, I totally agree with that and i remember my grandmother saying to me once a particularly downtime for me is probably not quite the, the sentiment she meant with the words that she used, but uh, she said, you know, stop, stop trying to be happy all the time. She said, you know, just aim for being content and, and, and let that be the standard and the benchmark and what you see above that. And of course, the way we all feel is all based off an expectation that we create and whether we kind of assume that, oh, it's an expectation that society puts on us. Well, we make that decision to adopt those expectations and one of the most common things i say to people is that you know we can't control the events but we can control what they mean amongst all of that is natural responses but with that bounce back that you're referring to is actually defining what this means um it's a, it's a really important element but i think when people go through a tough phase of life or maybe the first time they go through a tough phase of life and they're always new levels of tough face where it's like feels like oh this is the first oh no this is the first oh no this is the first time is amongst all that people go oh, but my brain used to just tell me all the right answers it used to just be doing the right thing and now they're sort of thinking but oh, you, you know there are elements here you're, you're, you're getting me to do conscious things here to actually be make decisions and take actions to consciously 
direct my mind so you know we focus whatever we focus on we feel to direct that focus i didn't have to use to do that now i think with a big part of that is helping people understand that well there's so many other things that they used to do that weren't habitual previously they just kept up found the consistency and now it's something they don't even have to think about anymore um again another question before we just sort of, uh, make sure that all our listeners get to know your your really good backstory is from your point of view to help people get that leverage to find the consistency to keep something up to find the consistency that the approach whether it's teaching them that bounce back or the other strategies that you might have that yes it's not going to work today it probably won't even work tomorrow but there's a consistency like everything where eventually it's going to be something that's part of your way of life how do you find the leverage or help people or help discover that leverage so that they keep up that consistency to want to make these changes not just in the short term but what they want is to make them permanent changes to help them make it in the long term how do you help them find that leverage so that they have that desire i think the first thing is for people to be kinder to themselves you know, if you are on a journey of self-discovery or you're trying to change something about yourself or about the way you approach things, we're often really hard on ourselves. And I think to start with, to be kinder. So if you do have a day where it's not so good, um, to not be so hard on yourself. Oh, yesterday was great and today's rubbish and so now I feel even worse. No, no, it's all part of the, the process. But I, I believe that 80% of changing anything is being aware of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So if you're aware of your thoughts, or you're aware of that feeling starting to bubble up inside you or you're that instantaneous <gasps> feeling. If you get yeah. a sense of that or you're a sense that your behavior, you're retreating or you're coming out fighting or whatever your behavior is, as soon as you start to actually clock that behavior, you have a chance to be able to start doing something different. Mm -hmm. And there are a range of things because I don't believe that one size fits all that you can then do. But so for me, my first place for everyone is to just start going, oh, okay, there's that thought again, or, oh, okay, I'm doing that thing again. As soon as you can start to get a tiny bit of a sense of that awareness, you, you will be able to do a lot more, because I literally think you, you, you half, you're more than halfway there by then. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And uh, so I've teased your kind of backstory a few times. So for the people who are meeting you for the first time, we'd love to know a bit more about your journey, as you put it, and also how it led you to where you are today. Mm. Yeah, I mean, my journey of how I am here today is, is the story in a way, um, because I started out life, I suppose, um, in a, in a, on paper, in a great family relationship, if you like, mom, I have mum and a dad and two brothers. But I, I was, I was um, encouraged, um, often I felt, um on the things that i wasn't very good at so i don't think i was even encouraged i think i was pushed in the things so much in the things that i wasn't very good at and and not really noticed the things that i was good at so at school it was really hard for me i'm not a mathematical person but i was pushed and told you've got to get your maths you've got to do this you've got to do this and i tried my hardest to be i guess something that i wasn't um, and i i recognized in my twenties, I suppose, I used to look back and think there's got to be a different way because by then I, I'd done all right, but I didn't really believe in myself. I, I, I had a lot of limiting thinking. I, um, I felt influenced by everyone um, and people were encouraging me and telling me this is right for you. You need to do this. You need to, you know, you're not clever enough for A-levels. You need to go and do this. And I was very naive and uh, wasn't assertive at all and went along with it. 
So while it wasn't wrong because it was part of my journey, I definitely started to think, hang on, I don't know whether this is right for me. Um, so I started off in the NHS in, in an administration role because that's what I was told I was going to be good at, I was good at organising. Um, but actually, slowly but surely, it's people. It's people that I'm fascinated by and I had a, I've got an interest in people and I think back even when I was uh, a young girl, I was always a good listener. I would always you'd be the one that would be there looking out for people. And uh, so I was kind of doing it. Um, but I also knew that I was being affected by other people's thoughts on me. So no judgment on our parents who, who do all the best. Everybody does the best they can. Um, but I kind of started maybe I was a bit of a square peg in a round hole in my family. I don't know. But I started to think there's got to be a different way of encouraging and making things happen. So I then decided to go and learn, uh, train to be a counsellor and CBT therapist at first, started off as counselling. And of course, it, it, for any of you that know about these courses, they're experiential. So you start to learn on your own stuff. So you, with your peers, you're chatting about your limits and your bits and pieces. So then I started to feel a bit more like, oh, OK, maybe I'm starting to understand my own path now. Um, and that it, that was almost the start. And then I left, I was brought up in the northeast and I moved to the northwest. And again, that was a big step for me, changing everything that I'd ever known and, and starting afresh, if you like. And that's when I really started to think, no, it's people. I need to get involved in, an, in, in areas where I can help or work with people. So then I stayed in the NHS. I stayed in the NHS for 24 years. But then I started working in departments like uh, worked in domestic violence for five years. I worked in drugs and alcohol for five years. I worked in safeguarding. Um, I worked in public health. Again, always working alongside people and their behaviours. I worked as a counsellor for GPs alongside doctor's surgeries. So I was always kind of in all sorts of departments, all sorts of areas, but still following that, starting to follow that path. But remembering running parallel with this is my own self-belief about myself. I then came across NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which some people may have heard of. And again, it's experiential. So here I am going along with my own limits and my own stuff. But you dig a, a deeper again with NLP. And suddenly I started to think, actually, I need to do this on my own. I need to really branch out. So 10 years ago, I left the NHS uh, at the fear for many people i left a permanent post and a pension um, and some stability and a, and a salary each month and i left and set up on my own and two minds um, is still is is running today and i'm able to offer uh, services or support that i feel fits with who i am and my values which is where i was being challenged in the nhs um, so i'm now able to work one-to-one -one. i work in teams and um, groups work in prisons and all the while it's supporting people to be the best version of themselves knowing my own story and how hard it might be but also knowing how possible it is because I know how powerful the mind is and that's kind of where I've found my niche if you like and my path so I'm able to offer a slightly different coaching style because I've got the therapeutic style which is why I call it mind coaching because I can actually work with people's um, limiting uh, beliefs etc that are deep deep within and then my other little journey that's always run parallel with that is I have uh, written a book of which I was writing that for many years off and on often off because I was busy doing 
my life or work. Um, and that's an, uh, an exploration of how our minds work, uh, making sense of ourselves, looking at our influences, looking at whether they're, they're healthy for us and looking at how our childhood and our pre formative years affects our now. And then gives lots and lots of tools about how you can free yourself from some of those things. So, in a nutshell, that's me. <laughs> I'm interested, firstly, to know amongst the you, you know you were already doing the work in terms of you'd, you'd, you'd found that desire to help people on a very personal level. That thing that gets you to go, I need to go out and do this in my own way on my own i'm always very very curious as to i know what it is for me that made me do that what it was for you that made you go you know what as great as all this is this only really works for me if i do it this way and what what for you was that kind of turning point that made you go this has to be the way i the way i see it i think as i as i sort of said but very loosely it was a values-led thing so for me, my values um, around my work were making a difference. And I felt that while the NHS is an amazing uh, organisation and I'm not dishing it at all, but we were very restricted often in how long we could work with somebody for. Uh, often, you know, you, saying that you could work with somebody who was, uh, you know, really quite, really struggling and you could, you're allowed to work with them for three sessions. I, 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 it just became impossible for me to work in that environment. Um, I understand the restraints, but I personally thought actually this isn't working for me. Um, and I guess, yeah, I think I dug deep for some courage. Um, and I thought, actually, I want to prove to myself that I can do this. You know, I'd been told that I wasn't clever enough for lots of things many, many, many times. And I had believed that for many, many years. And I think I was a part of me that thought, I need to do this. I need to prove that I can do this. I didn't know much about business. I'd always been employed by a public sector, so I had a lot to learn. I remember one of the first times when I realized how free I was. I remember going to a networking event of which I'd never been to one before because you don't need to network in the NHS, sitting in a, quite a nice environment with a, a nice cappuccino in my hand. And I thought, wow, this is quite cool. I've never done anything like this because, because I'd always worked in offices that were off wards or, you know, attached to some department that wasn't particularly very, certainly not glamorous at all. Uh, and, I, and I did, I suddenly had this real sense of freedom, but it came with, you know, uh, risk. I didn't earn as much money as certainly as I'd been uh, got on a salary. Uh, I had to learn a lot. I met some amazing people to help me with promotion and websites and you know lots and lots of things it, there was times where I'm sure you could have thought oh, I've done the wrong thing but you know I can honestly say and it sounds a bit of a cliche but I can honestly say I've never looked back and I would urge people who have got that thought ever if I come across anyone who says oh you know I'd love to do something if that passion is there and that drive and you're prepared to work hard I really think it's it's something to take on board it's interesting you just said that I, I, the passion bits the operative words there i had uh was asked in a conversation a little while back i can't remember what it was for um about people starting a business and the first thing i said was don't and the reason i said that was because i said you you have i'm sure you found this as well there's that there, you have no concept in terms of 
the work that's required, the sacrifice. Even if you draw the whole thing out, you still don't know the sense of isolation that comes with it, uh, the fears that come with it, the uncertainty, uh, lack of structure, the finding your routine and schedule, all of that stuff. It's just don't do it. As, but I said, if having said all that, someone's listening and they still want to do it because they love it and if like you said, they've got that passion, you are absolutely the sort of person that should do it absolutely without question um and and uh, amongst all of that is that it sounds so cliche when we say something you love to do or passion or whatever but you without that it's just it just does not work you have to absolutely love it and i see people who want to start business because there's more freedom inverted commas or there's um more kind of uh, this or that all in inverted commas and that's not what the life is the life is doing something that you get to uh, you'd have to do but seeing that you make a difference to the quality of people's lives i want to ask you what that does for you because i know what that does for me that feeling you get when um you talk about the, knowing that you've impacted the quality of someone's life i mean that for me is that it just doesn't get better than that so if you could describe what that feeling's like for you i'd love to know really i think that it doesn't get better than that but for me it still lies with them there is nothing greater gives me greater joy than seeing somebody grow and realize their potential or get themselves on a, a new path about their career or or end a relationship that hasn't been right for them for many many years and just for somebody to come and say wow you know and it, and I'll even if you hear them say you've changed my life it's like no 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 you've changed your life and that when someone yeah, realizes exactly. they yeah. have done that for themselves they've changed something that's made us such a difference and, and there's contentment and joy and happiness within them then for me that's it it's just it is something that i i enjoy watching them just get what they needed and if you get an email or a text from somebody and say guess what you know i just think wow that is just ace and and if i've been a part of that for them then for me that the, the, I'm happy that my. I, I love how you just put that. I think that's so spot on. Where it's it's not even where people who sort of don't work uh, in a kind of a one to one space, um, people who really love it. It's not even about the validation you feel about your own ability or talent or whatever. When someone gives you that feedback, you are genuinely just so delighted for that person, and you absolutely always. Whenever I've got a conversation or a thank you or an email or whatever is it's always a case of that per, you know for me working with people i always think of it in two steps is one is there's got to be an element where they change the filter or you help them change the filter in which they see the world um that that filter gets affected or temporarily um damaged or, or whatever where things look different but that in itself doesn't change people's lives the bit that changes people's lives is them taking action taking massive action and as well as much as you can draw out that action plan at the, at the end of the day you're kind of at the mercy of that person following through with the steps and so it is all them absolutely as you said it is all them if they make that change and make that difference so you're right it is very little about any sense of sense of validation one gets for helping someone it's, it's just that you're delighted for that person i i couldn't have put it I've tried to put it better. I can't put it better than how you put it, but uh, I, I totally agree with what you've just said. Uh, one of the other things I'd, I'd love to know, I think people who are interested in uh, in the sort of stuff that you do in terms of counseling and, th and therapy, which is 
I get a lot of people who come my way and want to get an idea and an understanding to how long it takes to make a change. And something you said, which I wholeheartedly agree with, you mentioned on the NHS. Um, and I know people who worked in the NHS. Uh, I know how tough it is in terms of the amount of work and the effort levels and everything else. But it always, as I get told, always that sense of just we can't quite do get to the level we want to we can't quite do as much as we want to that's as you said that's a common sentiment i hear um and i say to people when they talk about working with someone for a session or two and i say to them do you did you know do you or did you think you'd get the result you wanted in a week or two and they always always say no and there are elements where i perfectly understand that sometimes people just need to have that soundboard or that uh, filter or have that conversation just so they have the opportunity to get it off their chest and in itself that can help someone feel better but that can often feel a bit like a warm bath in some ways it's nice when you're in the bath and then you get out and it's well actually things are the same way so I'd love to know from your point of view I, I, most people I work with in, in the area of the stuff that I do probably work with them from minimum of three months a lot of the time um, for at your end what, what do you think is uh, it depends on the problem I'm sure in your line of work, there are some things which are, you know, problems 10, 20 years in the making type stuff where it's, it takes a long time to unravel this, these things. If I asked you a minimum amount of time that at least you would like to work with someone, if not what you think would be a good guideline, I don't want to oversimplify the types of patients or case, cases or clients that you might have. But ideally, in your between what sort of amount of time do you think is a good time for mm -hmm. someone to get support? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because obviously everyone is different. Uh, everyone uh, comes with a different problem. Everyone comes at a different point in the problem. So I think that often is an indicator for how long things take. Because if someone is absolutely at the end of their tether with it, then sometimes you can have a very quick shift because they are fed up of it anyway. They're ready, really ready. And I'm always keen to, to check how ready somebody is to make a change. Um, I think I don't like to, I actually don't, um, personally, I don't sign people up to work with me for however many sessions because I think it, I think it evolves and I like people to take responsibility for themselves. Um, so often if somebody comes and they're acutely, they've got something that's really acute, that's really challenging them, it might be um, relationships, families, relationships, dynamics, confidence, uh, self-belief, you know, any pattern that they're spotting, I always think it almost needs like a, a real boost, a bit like a big squirt of dettle, you know, really go for it. And then, and then almost allow people to go away for a while and live a bit and then come back and see, let's see how, what's worked well and what hasn't worked so well. Because for me, it's about enabling people to realize that they do have the answers. And, and we know that coming to talk to people like us, that, as you say, that cathartic, a release that like sitting somewhere in a nice bath hearing themselves saying it out loud you know often is part of is literally part of the process and then having someone else there just shining a light on the odd thing that they've said or asking a question that sends them into a different direction I think is the skill that we that people come and work with people like us but I guess for me it is you know I do try and help people feel empowered to think about how they're gonna tackle their own um journey in their own time that they're with someone like me because otherwise people i think it puts people it put, would put me off 
Um, so I know there'll be people out there who absolutely say, no, people should be signed into a six month time or a, right. whatever. Right. And, I, and actually that I actually consciously say to all my new clients, that is not how I work. Mm-hmm. Whether that's because I was so ref- confined when I was in the NHS and we were told you had to work for six sessions and that was it and see you later. I've, I've just, you know, I know there'll be some people who think that it's not right in a way, but that is there a right and a wrong? I just think it's better to let it evolve depending on the problem, depending on how the person processes, depending on how ready they are. I do find that you get some people who, especially with some of the um, more unconscious techniques that I use, that you can literally flick something out in one session. Mm-hmm. It just depends on where they are. And then I also find that some people have had something that we've explored and then they'll come back three years later and say, I'd like some more sessions because I know that worked for that problem and I've now got this challenge. So can I come? So a lot of my clients are returning, not because they have gone backwards, because actually they're like, oh no, I've got this next thing now, which is a bit deeper or a little bit. I always think it's a bit like an onion, you know, you you come when it's really fragile and then eventually you can get rid of the fragile bits and then you can start to really think about the layers. And, and I, and my own just journey was like that, you know, just think, right, I've got it now. I've got that. And then something else I'm like, Oh, okay. There's <laughs> obviously this now is the, um, okay, then we'll deal with this. And I think, you know, that's almost how life presents things to us. Mm. Uh, and I'm a big encourager of people looking at things that were really challenging and saying okay what can you learn rather than see it as a failure or see it as a real challenge it's like what is it let's look at the real patterns in you and say what are you keeping doing or what you're not doing that's creating this similar problem where you're caught in this cycle and i think when people can start to notice again it's the observation piece start to notice again that that is what's happening people can start to make greater changes because they know it inside out. So for me, it's so much easier then to go, well, hang on a minute. If we just keep an eye on that pattern, then you can change it so much quicker. So mm. probably haven't answered your question very well at all, David. There, but... uh, you, you did a fine job. And, uh, but I, I also totally agree with one of the things. So I, you, you mentioned about having something that works for someone and then later on they have a, a problem where they go, actually, if we can do it, the, use that same strategy I, they have that confidence that that's going to help with that and i i use an exercise called scratching um to sort of help people get past sort of uh, previous disappointments or setbacks in sort of performance and things like that and uh find for find it what works well for people but also it is exactly like you said it's the sort of thing but thing people go oh do you remember when we did that and it only took half an hour to go through that, that that would be really good to try with this and so i totally agree with that and so amongst all the different problems that you're you're helping people solve um just to touch on to what the sort of current climate we're in at the moment is dealing with uncertainty and dealing with that kind of pressure and uncertainty especially in a, in a covid environment but just uncertainty in lots of different shapes and forms and a lot of the things that people come to you is they feel uncertain about their family dynamics they feel uncertain about whether they can deliver confidence is in essence the certainty that you can you can do something or achieve something or or be something or become something so i would love i think people would love to hear i think people probably got their hands together hearing uh, what you might have to say around helping people with uncertainty and, and what your ideas around that are i think it's fair to say that the human brain is a certainty making machine and when we haven't got certainty it will put us into fight flight or freeze Mm -hmm. it's as as simple as that 
Uh, fight, flight, freeze is often known as the physical response, but we have it for social threat just as much. So I, if you think about the current situation, we aren't doing what we were allowed to do. And, we, and we're often thinking that other people are doing things that we're not. We've got complete uncertainty. We haven't got a clue what's going on. We don't know our futures at all. So there's a fear-based center is going to be triggered there. We've lost our autonomy. We don't know. We, we can't. We've got no control. We have no freedom. We're, we, we're not able to do that. We're not able to see each other. So the relatedness of things, we're not able to link ourselves to others and we're social beings as humans and it can feel very unfair and that those four or five pieces will put us into what what humans feel is a social threat we'll feel like we are unhappy so i think the first thing that we have to remember is that that's normal and i think that is absolutely as simple as it is if you're having a response where you fight flight or freeze you feel really angry at the situation or you feel like you just want to retreat and stay under your duvet or you're literally frozen and don't know what to do that immediate response if you see something on the news or you hear something or you read something or your friend tells you something or you suddenly realize that you're not going to be able to go to that thing that you always go to just before christmas or whatever that response is normal if we didn't have that response we wouldn't survive so i think the first thing is to remember that we have to say ground ourselves and say the responses that we're having are normal what we want to do is stop the impact of that so we want to not go down the angry route we want to not go down the wanting to stay under your duvet and we want to not go down that frozen route but in that moment that part of the brain is five times quicker than anything rational and logical and problem solving so that immediate <gasps> is going to happen so, and I think we, we, we can't even try and it would be wrong of any of us to try and stop because it won't. So I think that's the first thing, isn't it? For, so if it's uncertain, if we've got uncertainty, we're going to have a response. That's our first thing. The best thing then to think is what are we going to then do? So in a, if it's a sign of uncertainty, do we need to learn to be okay with a bit of uncertainty? And that's a skill. Or do we need to go and find out information to get more certainty? So sometimes we need to, find stuff out we need to be you know sometimes you'll hear people saying i don't know what da, 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 and then people say well hang on a minute let's look that up and suddenly it's like oh okay you've got your information so i think for all of these scenarios that we're in at the moment we are sometimes getting clarity but we're sometimes not we're getting very mixed messages so all the time we're going to be being triggered and i think the skill is to to be almost to be okay with it being a bit uncertain at the moment. But that is something that we're gonna to have to learn to be because we don't like it. The human brain doesn't like it. So how can people learn? To, to, so I, I had my own ideas in terms of essentially creating certainty. So you're sort of perceptually feeling like, actually I do have more certainty than actually I thought I did. But how can people learn to handle the uncertainty? I guess really what we're asking here is, the threshold that people have for uncertainty is shifting that threshold finding a way to actually as you said I, I totally agree in terms of the response you know when i speak to people it's people are always sort of one they're asking they're telling you all the things they don't want and of course if you focus on what you don't want you feel a certain way and you ask them what they do want they don't always quite know the answer to that and again that's just with how the way the brain is designed but Amongst all of that, and sort of, I don't want to feel, don't want this. It's often, you know, I don't want to feel X. And I think reminding people that emotions are the best parts of life, even when they're not, 
um, there, there is, I think, some truth in that. But of course, like you said, you know, the emotions are going to happen. I'm sure people come your way and they go, oh, so you're going to be able to shut that voice up in my head or you're going to make me not have to have this emotion ever again. The difference is for people, I, I like them to sort of think of it in terms of the, setting a target is the emotions are fine. The emotions aren't the problem. It's the, it's the dwelling or it's, or from a less kind of um, active or conscious way, it's how long do they linger? And it's actually trying to set targets of, well, are we going to get to the point where actually an emotion lasts for 10 minutes, not 10 hours? Does it affect the rest of the day? And, and, and that sort of thing, rather than go, uh, is there an emotion or not? That sort of a, it's create, that's sort of creating a game you can't win, really. Yeah. So amongst all of that, and, uh, you know, talk about that threshold of uncertainty and, and, and kind of managing those emotions and everything else. Um, with that threshold, because I'm someone that I know personally, I have to work very, very hard at it because I'm someone who really likes certainty. I like structure, I like routine. Everyone's got a different level. Um, for yourself, are you someone that craves certainty, if that's even the right word? Are you, where are you, do you think on that certainty scale in terms of your own threshold? I think for me personally, I am okay sometimes to not know. But, uh, but I'm also not saying that I am void of emotions in this current situation sure. because yeah. I think, you know, we, we can't get away from the fact that this is very different. I mean, you know, the word unprecedented times is often used too loosely, but I think currently it really is the way to describe it. We just don't know. We haven't got territory that we've ever been down before. But I think for uh, thinking about how we manage this, how, how people can manage this, what I notice about myself and, and many other people is, when we are feeling like this, obviously we're highly emotional, so we're not thinking quite as straight as we want. Our task is to notice that we've gone into that and then think, stop, let's try and think of something. What I find quite often is the case is we are then focused on things that we can't control. So our attention is all of the things, I can't control that, can't, but that's where your attention is. Meanwhile, the things that are in your attention or in your control, sorry, not your attention, in your control, you're not doing which means you've lost your sense of purpose. You've lost your kind of ability to be able to do something meaningful or even practical to distract you from the bigger picture of the uncertainty. And I always think if you were able to, so even if you draw a line down a piece of paper and write all the things that are on your mind and try and plot them into the two columns, one column in my control, the other column out of my control. I can pretty much guarantee when you're in that highly emotional state, your focus will be on everything that's out of your control and nothing that's in your control. And then, I th then I, my stretch there is to think, well, are you even more anxious because you're not doing anything that's actually in your control? Because, and the chances are, yeah, you will be feeling even more worried because your focus is on something you can't control, but you're not doing anything on a day to day basis or an hour to day basis or even a moment to moment. And it sounds like I've exaggerated that, but I think it, it kind of is. That's what often mm, happens. So I, I often say to people, you do that, do that as an exercise. If you really feel like your head's full, just get just be curious about where your attention is. And then on the side that says in your control, make a change, do something, go and buy that stamp or go and do something that's in your control when in this situation that's out of your control. And I think from there, people then feel like they've got, again, a bit more autonomy, a bit more uh, focus. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I, I definitely agree uh, with a lot of that in terms of it's just the, 
you know, our brain just goes boom, focuses on this, you know, the problem, the dangers, so that we learn and grow. And certainty is a, is a, it's a, it's an overall concept. You know, yes, you want certainty in particular areas, but certainty is a sort of a sensation where actually you can build it in all these other areas, so that you do feel like you have the foundations to cope with the uncertainty in a particular area. I, I totally agree with, totally agree with that. I, I would be really interested to know your thoughts around loneliness and isolation. I think what's interesting now is everyone experiences that at some point, at some phase of their life. I think people who uh, have, or I could even say now, had yet to experience that. Mistake the idea that loneliness is, oh, it's something that's sad, whereas actually loneliness for a lot of people is something that's scary. Once you've experienced it, it's a fear thing. It's, a, it's, it's, it's actually a terrifying thought. Of course, during COVID, lots of people now uniquely are experiencing for the first time which has that sort of weird effect where lots, lots of people feel actually less anxious because they know everyone's in the same boat all of a sudden so that's in, that's been very interesting to see that but when people come to you and i'm sure with no doubt you've had people who've spoken about that feeling of loneliness and isolation there are some things that you know of course we can do in terms of finding out those interests and things that we could do to push ourselves to meet groups of people who are like-minded there are lots of those sorts of things I always see when I when I work with people there's those two parts, which is that yes, we've got to do those parts, and I would love to know what other ideas you might have for people, uh, especially during this time as well. But there's also that bit of encouragement and desire to do it, and without that fear of rejection or anything else that comes with it. So I'd love to know your sort of opinion around loneliness, isolation, and and what you might be saying to people to to kind of help counterbalance or counteract that feeling. Again, I think we have to acknowledge that we are social beings. You know, this is going to challenge us without doubt, uh, because generally we are social beings. I have spoken to a few people who, joking aside, have said lockdown's been the best thing ever because they're antisocial. Right, right. But I'm sure that's just them being kind of quite lighthearted, because generally pe pe people are, interaction is key, connection is key, sharing is key. So again, we have to acknowledge that it would be normal if, we, if you are on your own at this moment in time and you're feeling... Um, unsettled it it will uh it we, we can expect it sadly i think one of the things that i, I think you've just mentioned it, i think one of the, the almost the uh, affirmation if it's the right word what's the word i'm looking for almost the, the step up that i am encouraging people to remind themselves is exactly that is that we are all in the same boat because again we are terrified of people judging us we are also are very likely to compare ourselves to others so we unfavorably are fear of rejection or fear that somebody will judge us so we daren't pick up the phone and say actually i'm really struggling i'm on my own i'm, I'm really struggling so there's that barrier to get through but then there's this comparing yourself to others you might be looking on your social media for example and you think everyone else is living the dream even in lockdown and you're not so that in itself can cause people a lot of issues so while we want to reach out we need to be also very careful that we're not putting ourselves in this comparative place that is negative because it can do that and social media can be a place to connect and you know it's probably just as well we've got it in a way but i am hearing and seeing some people and they've always done it by the way not just in lockdown but where they're looking at other people's lives who still seem to be having a great time somehow in lockdown and i'm not and i'm now sat here feeling miserable because my life isn't going the way i want it to and i think we we, we need to be mindful of, of that aspect of it um for sure because yeah because there's no point in damaging more of how you're feeling 
by comparing yourself to what you think everyone else is doing. Um, but I think our greatest step there is to remember that there'll always be someone else out there who is feeling the same and almost that relief when you admit it. It's like, it's okay to, we're okay to be not okay. And let's kind of stick, you know, stick together and share without having to share your ins and outs as well. But just to say, hey, you know, and I think sometimes for some people who aren't used to this, you know, maybe it's having that, that person that they trust and maybe having, a, you know, a word or something that just comes up, you agree on a text that if, if I send you this word, as random as it might be. I like that, yeah. You know, coconuts means, please reach out to me. I could just do with a bit of, uh, you know, maybe maybe some people need to set up little networks like that where you don't have to explore necessarily all of the ins and outs because sometimes that can fuel the fear centre anyway by talking about it even more. Having said that, sometimes, as we know, we, it is good to be able to share it. But I think sometimes it's about maybe having those yeah, little code words that say, here I am, I'm still mm. here and checking in with each other. I, I really like the idea of that code word because I think anything, when you can create the, 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 the sort of the humour that comes with that, and the sort of everyone kind of therefore with, with humour kind of relaxes a little bit into it and kind of breathes a bit more with it. And just I, I something I've... Uh, sort of uh, kind of slight tangent but I'll bring it back kind of full circle which is people talk about the stress with money and there's a kind of in eastern culture uh, I try to remember his name I can't remember exactly but part of it was when talk about stress around money is a perception thing around it of course and to say whenever you spend money or whenever you receive money to say arigato and that you're actually thanking that you've received the money and the thanking that you're able to spend money, that you have money to spend it. And that it's the constant reinforcement of that that actually reinterprets the what money is. It's, it's reminding yourself that money is a great thing to be able, that I actually have to spend. And it's great that someone and actually someone's actually going to give me money and pay me for what I do. I've got to be even more thankful for that and doing that consistently. So to sort of bring that back full circle, I think that kind of code word it takes it changes that consistently changes the either we might call it in some cases stigma or the perception or the whatever to be able to talk i think generations now do get better and better to talk about it in general but i really like that idea i might might well steal that for something yours um, it's but, a gift uh, i use it a lot with with um couples if, that's if, yeah i can imagine that was great if, if, the, if, if one of them can feel something uh, some emotion bubbling up with a, a response to something that the other one's saying instead of going down the route which obviously we're trying to stop the conflict and, and the the argument or the the unsettled is to have a a word that lets it has to be agreed it has to be um you know nobody can uh, abuse it it has to be done respectfully but the the couples have seen it so successfully they agree a word and it's just, it says, I'm, I'm going to, to the place I don't want to go to. So, and it's a stop and it's a respectful stop. And then, you know, from there, then the couple can then mm. decide what they're going to do. And it's, and it prevents that, it, it prevents arguments. It prevents one of them deciding they're going to walk out because the walkout is, is a good strategy, but it can leave the other person absolutely livid. So it's a, an agreed thing. And I, I think little words like that, without having to say very much, it just gives people a, 
Um, I used to, many years ago, I, um, I had a, a, still got a, a friend who, she had two very small babies and she used to text me and say, I can't even empty the dishwasher. And that used to mean, can you just pop round? I'm struggling. And it was, it was just a way of her letting me know that, you know, as a friend, could you just kind of ask for your help a little bit? And it, uh, and it became a bit of a joke, really, you know, it was uh, in a fun, in a good way, a healthy yeah. way. So sometimes just little code words that you can set up with trusted people, must be trusted people that won't um, yeah. mean. abuse it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think sometimes because that big thing of actually saying to somebody, I, I'm really struggling can be a massive thing for someone. But of course, the other flip side of it is, uh, can we all reach out to each other a bit more? Because we know that it's probably easier to have somebody ask you, are you okay? And it might be easier for them to say, actually, I'm not, rather than them be the one that says. I can understand that. So I think sometimes we all obviously have to try and see how we can help and support. Them. I think that's a very, a very good point as well, actually, in terms of it's almost training that, um, you know, uh, there are lots of things, aren't there? You know, the, the calculator is a great invention to help people, but uh, help people work out sums quickly. But no doubt it probably makes us worse at maths. Um, and and that and that sort of thing, and lots of inventions or things like that. And I can imagine the code words, sort of as you as you said, that has the can have the sort of the flip side of the coin, which is we we sort of give the uh, autonomy away to someone else to to make the to take the stand or, or make the effort. But I can imagine in certain cases where it, it is nice to have, as you said, a connection support network and all of those things that you feel like they understand because that's what generally what people want isn't it? it's to really nothing else but to feel understood um, and in other cases appreciated so i want to now i've really been eager to ask you having written a book myself knowing the i don't even know what word to use the the thrill and the simultaneous pain that comes with it um the rewriting the thinking about writing it in the first place, getting excited, then going through it, then finding it's actually really difficult, then finding really good bits to write, and then getting to the end results. I'd love to know what was it that kind of pushed you over the edge to go, this is something to do, this is something I need to do, and therefore you'll spend whatever it was the next six months, a year, two years to write it, and then how it felt when you actually got it completed as well. I wish it was only two years, David. <laughs> Um, so for me, um, it was kind of quite cathartic many years ago, Same, yeah. eight, eight years yeah. ago, I started eight, nine years ago, I right. started and that was, um, it was me just writing and writing and writing and, and kind of, I'd, I'd had lots of clients who said to me, I wish you'd write all this stuff down. And, and I kind of felt in my own head could, because of my own journey of actually realizing that I could do things myself and I didn't have to be influenced by others. I did want to share that to encourage others. Um, so I started writing and I used to just type into a word document and just keep typing and typing and typing sections. I just think of a section people pleasing and I'd write about that or think of a section fear of rejection and I'd write about that. And it was masses and masses of pages of words with no chapters, no structure, no whatnot whatsoever. And then I'd have whole years where I didn't touch it and then I'd get it back out and I'd do a bit more, um, but still no structure. And often then I would open it and think, right, come on, let's, let's turn this into a book properly. And then I'd be completely overwhelmed because it was literally just a load of words on a Word document. So I used to shut it again and think, oh, 
no and then i'd get busy again with life or my work and and then i'd add a little bit to it and i would encourage and then i guess um i showed it to somebody i dared to show it to somebody who was an author himself and he was like you know what there is a book in there it does need a lot of work but you know and i think just actually being brave enough to share all this stuff that i'd never ever shared with anyone before it was just always my own thoughts and almost had to push myself into that come on show it to somebody and make it real rather than be like oh i'll just pretend it's just my stuff and i'll never make it a book so and then i got introduced to somebody who could help me with structure so a book mentor and that was the turning point in terms of it be turning from a big fat word document to actually chapters and sections and book and and there was lots of shifting around now i would never ever write a book like that again and if anybody is out there with a book uh, get it into as much structure as you can before you load it down because it it took us ages to move things into sections and we kept moving it and realizing that was in the wrong place or duplicated and blah blah so um but then i guess two years ago i really i started you know, i found a typesetter i knew who was going to do the images in the book i'd got the front cover sorted i think i even bought the isbn the you know the number the code on the back oh, i was cool. it was going to happen i really started to invest in it and then i would be much more active doing it but obviously fitting it in with my job and then lockdown came in a in march this year and it was kind of like i ran out of excuses for me to not finish it so i spent the first month of lockdown literally reading it editing it reading it editing it working with my typesetter and i decided to launch in april the end of april 20th of april this Isn't year it? in the middle of lockdown which had its challenges and it certainly you know i wasn't able to deliver it or share it as, as i would have done if we'd been in normal life but i'm so glad i have uh, because you know people are seeing it for what i wanted it to be which is a resource for them to, to feel happier so i mean it has been a journey and i i'll be honest i got sick of hearing myself saying you know people would ask me are you, are you still writing your book i'm like yeah <laughs> still writing it but you know again it's a journey uh for me and some of it the gaps were because i was still processing stuff myself um i was still understanding it or i was still working through some things or working with people on certain topics um sometimes it was just because i was out and sometimes i was working on it but it, it did need a lot of work and then when it came in answer to your last question when it actually that first copy arrived i remember the the, the delivery guy knocked on the door in in april with his first ever copy of my book and i couldn't believe it i i, I literally couldn't believe it i mm. i think i took it took it around with me walked around with it for about four days <laughs> Um, it was it was incredible and then now to, to to receive messages and photographs of people with my book saying i've got it i've got it i've finished it people have put reviews on um amazon and things and some people i don't even know who they are so i'm absolutely thrilled with kind of how it's landed it's and for me again it goes back to what we started to talk about it's all about them getting something that helps them make sense of their life and that is what it is about amazing well congratulations on that certainly because i know how much uh, work and effort goes into it what are what are some of your favorite parts of the path travels what what, what parts were sort of things where you went wow that i think that is really valuable for someone um i love the uh concept i've created called the reset class and that's where mm -hmm. you find yourself in very similar situations um 
but you've not picked up the lesson. So you're back in the reset class. It's like, God, I'm back here again. Yeah. What on earth? How? And, you know, sometimes the reset classes take years for you to realize you're back there. But um, I, I think for me personally, realizing that, hang on a minute, I'm feeling like this again. And I think digging deep and looking for the gems in those situations, I think that is, is kind of one of my, my, my favorite things that I kind of created. And I mean, a lot of it, if you know, it's full of exercises, it's got case studies, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's got something hopefully for most people. So I, I like the fact that I've been able to create something like that. I love the fact that we've decided to go for really big text so that people can just read a little chunk and then have a think about it, go away, come back. Uh, not not feel so it's physically quite a, a big book but but again it's it's for a reason it's like that um so yeah i think so i want to ask one more question um before making sure we let people know where they can uh, get a copy of the path traveled as well for anyone who does the sort of work that you do at one point as you spoke about at the beginning that you had that picture you had that vision in terms of what you might be able to do to help people and however many years later getting to this point <clears throat> excuse me in which that is the case i'd love to know sort of in two parts when you first had that thought we you know working previously in work at the nhs but said you know what actually there's something more for me here we got to today i'd love to know have you reached where you were looking to get to does it look like what you thought it was going to look, to look like and the final part the second part of that question is a lot of people want to leave footprints in the sand for other people to follow i'd love to know what footprints that you would like to leave behind going forward that other people can hopefully follow in the future as well so i guess the first part does it look like how you thought it was going to look i think it does because if I think about my career within the NHS, it was um, it was a progression. I didn't just sign up to be a, you know, a, a nurse and become the nurse. I, I, I had a journey that I went on and each part of the journey took me to a different thing. And I think even in the 10 years I've been running two minds, it's almost still like that. So yes, I've still got my actual offer of what it is. It's about helping people support them to understand their minds and, and their thoughts and behaviors. But how I do that and where I do that still varies. And I love that. I love the fact that I've got contracts in prisons, in schools. I work in businesses. I work with leaders um, in, in all sorts of settings, um, different groups. I run groups uh, individuals that you know either do do know each other because they're already a group or a group formed together i love the fact that it is still quite a varied journey and i think that interests me it keeps me interesting so it's the same stuff but in a different area because mm -hmm. i love meeting new people and learning and observing new people so I suppose is it where i thought it was interesting question because I don't know that I knew, I kind of knew, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, is it where it's, can it still go further? I think so. I think with the book, it's got a different energy now because um, the book is a product that I can use to, to promote the, the work in a different way, which is, is, is great. Um, your second question, leaving footprints, I guess. Um, oh. I'm just thinking now so many okay you take your time i think it's i think for me it is um i think it is about being still being very genuine about you know how hard 
our minds can be on us and, and actually for having been able to leave them leave the footprints that says keep going you know but keep finding a way look at things differently try and reframe things so that you can get something out of it so those footprints that i follow and i leave behind just to encourage people to stick with it even if it's really tough um and to you know to reach out or find a way that's right for them uh, because everyone is different and you know we can't there isn't one size fits all i'm constantly saying that we are all unique you know as unique as our thumbprint is we our minds work so so differently and i think when we spend our time finding our true path i mean that's what i've done i found my tr my own truth and i'm so lucky that i've I love what I do and I found a business that I enjoy uh, and I feel very, very privileged that I get to speak to some amazing people. And yeah, I, I'm doing something that I love. Uh, I think it's a, an amazing place to get to. Alison, for people who've very much enjoyed this conversation like I have and want to know a bit more about Two Minds and about your book as well, where can people find you? So um, my uh, website is um, www.2-minds.co.uk and obviously most things are on there, all my socials are on there. Uh, if people want to follow me on social, Instagram, uh, Facebook, everything's kind of Two Minds or Alison at Two Minds. My book is, um, it is on Amazon, although I will be honest, I'm trying to encourage people to use Hive, which is a, a, web, a okay. bookshop bookshop related um online program rather than it just be amazon so yes of course it's on amazon and obviously we love amazon in some ways because it allows people to put reviews on which are great for others to read um, but there are other providers out there who i feel quite strongly about mm -hmm. um, i felt very proud when i was able to get it into a local bookshop to me and wh smiths mm -hmm. because i still feel that Personally, maybe it's my age, I don't know, but a bookshop is still something that's quite traditional. For yeah, us. I understand that. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess it depends how you feel. If, you, if you're happy to use Amazon, it's there if people would like to buy it. If not, you can get it on, like I say, hive.co.uk uh, and it is available on ebook. Um, if you Google uh, Path Travelled ebook, there's various uh, suppliers who will sell it to you. Excellent. Well, Alison, I want to thank you very much for your time today and um, some really interesting ideas for myself that I'm going to have a, have a think and play around with. But um, I'm sure lots of other people have appreciated your time. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Are you feeling uncertain at the moment? A lot of people have been writing into the podcast saying they feel uncertain in their relationships and their health, their wealth because of the pandemic, because of so many different things going on. So we decided to create an online portal with exclusive video and audio content called Certainty. Certainty is designed to give you that sense of control back in your life, teach you how to build certainty back in your life, in your confidence, your sense of happiness, in your relationships, in your finances, in the areas that matter most through meditations, through coaching. You'll be able to find access to this online portal on the selfbeliefchief.com forward slash podcast page below the podcast episode you'll be able to access it alternatively you can just go to selfbeliefchief.com forward slash certainty home to learn more and anywhere you listen to the podcast in the description you'll also be able to find a link to it as well and the certainty online portal is just at the cost 
of a Starbucks coffee and muffin at just £5 a month. £5 a month with hours and hours of video and audio content which we're continually adding to and you can cancel at any time. So if you want to go back in a month's time to that Starbucks coffee and muffin then you're welcome to but otherwise we've put a lot of thought into this. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it and feel free to join the Certainty members.